stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition, and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping. With folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine to five. What's up, guys, and welcome to the 9 to 5 Sports Podcast, a show that features a group of lifelong friends giving their knowledgeable, realistic, and occasional biased opinions, more than occasional, really, on the world of sports. Uh, we're not going to get into any political garbage, uh, unlike the powerhouse known as ESPN. Um, we're just going to get into the good old-fashioned sports talk. Here's how kind of how we're going to run through it. First of all, it's going to be myself, I'm Ty Comer, along with... Jarrett McKay, Elliot Good, and Robbie Comer. We're going to set this thing into three sections. Uh, got to give all the credit here to Jarrett. Thanks for the setup there, Jarrett. No problem. Um, we're going with the starting five. We'll have uh, five or so headlines uh, throughout the week of these sports. Um, then after that, we're going to go into the seventh inning stretch um, after a short little break. And we'll do uh, a little bit shorter of uh, a talk on those segments uh, and then we'll get we'll move into dos minutos uh, to where we get uh, all four of us will give just a minute rant on something, uh, and then we'll do the little show closure. Uh, we feel like this is a good way to you know give us all plenty to talk about. Um, seventh inning stretch. Also, we're going to hand that over to uh, Aaron Campbell and Elliot Good later on um, down the road, and that'll be a lot to do with your fantasy. Um, tips and uh, things to watch for so uh elliot we're looking forward to that so i guess first of all we'll we'll drop in with the starting five and uh, the first topic and we're going to the starting five first topic is the nfl draft uh, a couple of headlines that we wanted to get to here were where do the quarterbacks go and when we talk about the quarterbacks we're looking at those top five names that everyone's been looking at um uh, including sam darnold from usc josh rosen from ucla josh allen from wyoming Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma, and then Lamar Jackson from Louisville. I also added Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State, and then a, a smaller known name, uh, Kyle Luella from Richmond. Uh, that'll take us into the first uh, spot here on the starting five, so I guess we'll jump starting with me. Uh, where should these quarterbacks go? Um, to me, you have to take into consideration with the Browns going first, uh, I know me and Rob have different of, of opinions on here. I, I personally think the Browns should take uh, the running back Saquon Barkley first. Um, I think that with the Giants mm-hmm. and the Jets both coming up after that, uh, that this could be a really good chance for the Browns to get not only a great running back, a great talent in this draft, but with only two other teams drafting before they do, they still have a chance to get one of those top quarterbacks uh, at the four position. Whereas if you take a quarterback first, uh, there's a good chance that I think the Giants will take Barkley uh, to move in with Eli Manning, Odell Beckham Jr. to try to jumpstart that team. Um, it kind of reminds me of how the Cowboys had a terrible season a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, without Romo that year, they went through three or four different quarterbacks. That didn't work out. The next year, they did have Dak Prescott, who was drafted in the fourth round, but I think it was drafting a very talented running back to add to a talented offensive line that helped jumpstart that team to move from a four-win team to a 13-win team in just one season. I think it had a lot to do with the running game. So if I was the Browns, I would take that uh, running back first. But if it gets back to them, I think the Giants, um, saying the Browns would take a running back like that, uh, I think the Giants would go with 
what I heard was the safest bet is Sam Darnold. Um, leaving the Jets, I believe, with the quarterback that has the highest ceiling in um, Josh, I believe it's Rosen from UCLA. And then that leaves uh, the Browns with the choice of Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Mason Rudolph, any of those other names. Uh, and then so forth after the Browns, you have the Colts, the Broncos, the Bucks, the Bears. And some of those teams I don't even think need a quarterback, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what they think. And now I'll let you guys uh, agree or disagree with any of those comments that I have about where the quarterback should go. Well, I think Barkley's there at four, if you want him. So, because the Giants can't afford to take a, a running back at two for the sole fact that they don't – New York's not going to want another – bad losing season after Eli to get another chance at a quarterback this high. So you're saying they take a quarterback now? Yeah, you have to. Because New York's not going to want another losing season to suffer through after Eli retires to have another chance at a top quarterback prospect. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. you got to go get a quarterback right now. Because, I mean, we saw last year Eli was just a disaster. But from what I've seen, the general manager for the Giants has publicly backed Eli Manning. He said that they want to roll with him for the next year or two. And if you draft a quarterback, you know, the first time he throws two picks in the first half, those fans are going to be chanting for whichever quarterback that they drafted. Yeah. And that's going to turn, especially in New York, so that's going to turn him against Eli, even though he has two rings. Uh, and then the, that's going to leave the new coach with a decision. Do I set Eli Manning or do I put the new quarterback in? I think the most likely thing is that the Giants trade down and take a quarterback later. They definitely could trade because, down. Or they could trade down and improve that line. You know, you're starting Eric Flowers. That, that is true. <laughs> Elliot, what do you think? That's a very good point. Um, I agree with you. I think Darnold's going to go one. I think that's just, just a given. Right. The situation Cleveland's in. Um if it were me, I would take Barkley, too. I think he's the surest thing in the draft. I think they they want to add that star power in New York. Yep. As Robbie said, I think the GM believe, or you said, I believe, the GM believes in Eli. Right. He wants to keep that cast together. Um, at three, that uh, I don't know what's going to happen there. If it's me, I take Josh Allen. I think the Jets need the quarterback. Um, but after that, I think you could see a lot of trading. That's where I think a lot of trading comes in. The Browns' fourth pick. I think you could see Arizona trade up to take Josh Rosen. They need a quarterback. Sam Bradford's not going to last. So um, you think Cleveland could actually trade that second pick instead I of taking think, another time? I think trading the second pick is very likely for Cleveland. Any, the chance, four pick. any chance the Jets take Barkley if he falls there? That's possible. If he falls to three, the yeah. Jets, absolutely. I was going to add in, I know Rob had mentioned to me earlier before the show that he thought that it could be possible that Belichick could pull a surprise and trade up into the top five spot really with a like, lot of picks and draft Tom Brady's replacement. They really like. Now, I don't know. If, I don't know. That would probably be the biggest shocker in the last several I, years. I, I have actually that. heard some rumors about that as well. And a good point was made that they don't really have a backup quarterback and they have no replacement for Tom Brady. So I, I could see that happen. I also saw that maybe the Patriots. Uh, just depending on the circumstances, would trade up and possibly go for. Um, I'm sorry, that threw my train of thought a little bit, but the, <laughs> the go for um, Lamar Jackson because they all talked about how much they like him. Um, Tom Brady's backed him, uh, and going back to what you guys were saying earlier, I get the fact that you know he's backed Eli at, in New York, the GM, but there's a difference in backing and looking out for a little bit of future. For your for your club, you know, like as bad as Eli was last year, 
he's going to be... I mean, as good as he's ever been, he's not... It's hard to, It's hard for me to put into words. Like, He's not going to give you the years that he had early on in his career, so you're going to struggle. I think with what they have now, the best-case scenario is a slightly above-average year. Is the best-case scenario for Eli Manning. I think, and I think this all depends on free agency, too. If you want to talk about star power, and I hate to talk about it with you guys here because I know it's a little sore subject. I don't know where this is going. Des Bryant. If you pick up Des Bryant and Odell Beckham Jr. comes back healthy, you've gotten rid of the headache that is Brandon Marshall. Right. You've got and Evan you Ingram, still, who caught 18 passes last year. Who caught 18 <laughs> passes last year. Which You've he was got Evan Ingram. You've got the tight end. He's got the talent. He's got the ta- and he's had the talent. That's that's my problem. Eli has had the talent and has not been able to. I mean, he hasn't had it uh, all together for for one full year. It's just that line. There's well, it's a combination. I don't think Eli's a very talented quarterback. No, no. But the line is awful. The but line if the, is if the line, if the and line it ain't is just the flowers. There's a couple of people on that on that line. That no, they're nobody, terrible. nobody can succeed behind it. If the line is no. the problem, then how is Barkley going to make up for but their that, line? That's, that's, my, that's my thing. That's Barkley. true. But if you draft this running back, you have the talent. Now you can go get your line. You might not. Ha- you don't have to have a line like Dallas did the very first year. You can build that line over the years. That's fine. But I've there also might not heard, be a Barkley come along every year. I've also heard that Barkley struggles to run in between the tackles. Yes, yeah, so that's what I. And see. if that if that happens, and he's starting to balance it outside a bunch, those guys are going to run him down because I mean it's the NFL. Those linebackers are running four threes too. You know, like I think that boy has a possibility. And I'm not saying that he's going to be a bust. I'm, I'm not because I think he's like you guys said earlier. I think he might be one of the most surefire things in the draft. But if he starts bouncing outside and getting caught a bunch and getting frustrated by these NFL linebackers, I, I just I don't see where a line later on in his career would help him. I think he could it could get into his his mind a little bit. Well, I think Cleveland's a better situation for him because I think they've got a better line and they're up and coming. They've got all these picks. I think Cleveland's ready to win right now. See, and I think that's – I mean, that's a whole different conversation. I think I have the pessimistic view of Cleveland. I think with this talent, building it all together in one year, I still see their ceiling as five or six wins. I think he has a, a, a more optimistic like, view of maybe seven to eight wins. Uh, but look at the division. I, I'll give you that. They, they do play the Bengals. Not a good team. Ravens, not a very good team. And the Steelers, you're still probably going to lose to them twice a year. I'm not sure what their divisional schedule is. Uh, I just don't know how much you can count on what I assume to be a rookie quarterback and a rookie running back. And we've really knocked out two, uh, two main topics here with what should the Giants do uh, and where the quarterbacks go. So just to clarify, I think that the Giants uh, should take Barkley. I mean, uh, if he's there, if not, you, I, I think you draft Eli's backup. You think the Giants should do... Well, I, th- I think it, the Giants should do. It depends. It whatever depends on whatever do. the Browns don't do. Okay. If the Browns go with the quarterback, then I think you got to take Barkley. I, I know I talked about how I disagree with that, but I also think you got to take Rosen as well. I, I'm not I sure. think another part of this this Giants equation is the new coach. He's an offensive coordinator. He's an offensive mind. They're going to want to surround him with the most weapons they can. Right. That's why I don't know if they take quarterback. I don't know if they want rookie quarterback, new system. I don't know. But or if they'd rather go with a familiar face in Eli, kind of knowing the right. ins and outs of the NFL, that's why I think they go Barkley. And Rob, there's no question that you take the quarterback or you trade down. In a quarterback-driven league, it is hard for me to disagree. So I'm not gonna 
uh, go off on a limb there. Uh, and then the, finally for our last draft topic before we move into the actual uh, schedule release that came out this week, uh, we want to move on to our favorite team takes. So here we're just going to discuss what our uh, teams, what we think we should do. I know this will be kind of fun because we have two people from on each of the side here that like teams within the division uh, and what we think we should do. Um, I'll go ahead and take the liberty of starting off by saying I think this year Dallas should take the uh, best available talent at that position. Um, I'm usually not a fan of that. as uh, Again, I have a lot of differ, uh, different uh, opinions than a lot of the professionals do. Uh, I think you pick the best talent at whatever position you need the most. However, this year, where, where I think we have holes, I'm not sure if the talent is first round available um, regardless to the talent that's coming out right now. So I say you just take the best available talent at a place that you think you can put them. Or you trade up to get a defensive playmaker uh, like Roquan Smith, Derwin James, Mika Fitzpatrick, one of those names. And then obviously Rob knows uh, we need to address the receiver at some point in the, in the draft. Um, DJ Moore from Maryland. I know that the Cowboys have uh, ties with SMU and uh, Oklahoma State with Beasley and Des Bryant. Cortland Sutton. And James Washington are two names that I think you should watch out for the Cowboys on draft day if they decide to go the receiver route. Rob? Well, we were thrown a curveball last week with Mr. Bryant being released. And that was against my, my, my recommendation, but that's why I don't run the team. So I think they, if Derwin James falls, you have to take him, but if he doesn't fall in your lap or you don't decide to trade up for him or Smith, then you have to go receiver because in the Norv Turner-Jason Garrett scheme, it's kind of like you have to have an X receiver that is good, dominant. And if he's open one-on-one, the ball has to go to him for it to work. So I think they have to go receiver if they don't get a star defensive player to fall in their lap. Any scenario Jerry Jones trades up or down in the first round? Oh, I think he could reach for a defensive player. I don't think he's going to trade down. We've seen it happen before. He did reach up to get Claiborne. That obviously didn't work. Uh, they traded up to get Des Bryant. That did work. So he's he's gone up before. He's not afraid to move up in the draft. I don't think they'll trade up for a receiver because I think Ridley will be there, but I think they would trade up for a defensive star if they could. One falls and now two opinions from the opposite side of the spectrum here in the NFC East. We've got two Skins fans uh, that will talk about where they think, uh, what they think the Redskins uh, should do and what they think the Redskins will do. Ty, you want to start this one off? Yeah, I'll start it off. Robbie talked about the curveball that is Des Bryant. I'll talk about well, just the straight high uh, heater at about 99 miles an hour that you could see coming, but you go. couldn't quite catch up. Uh, you know, with with Kirk being um, released and then, uh, well, not released, obviously, but, uh, you know, he, he ran out of his contract, he became a free agent, and then we decide to take it upon ourselves to go get a quarterback, which I enjoyed. I loved that you went and got Alex Smith. I loved that, you know, he took a little bit less money than Kirk. Now, Here's the things that I don't like because those are the two things that I that I did enjoy. The the two thing the things that I don't like in that situation are one, Alex Smith is older than Kirk. So automatically they might have had the same numbers last year, but at some point down the road, Alex Smith is going to deteriorate a little bit quicker than what I think Kirk Cousins will. Uh, two, we don't have the offensive running game that the Kansas City Chiefs had for him to succeed. We also don't have a talent like Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill um, that can stay healthy. Now, Jordan Reed is a very good talent, 
However, he's hurt all the time. Um, and, and the biggest thing for me, and I think the biggest thing for all Skins fans, uh, is the fact that you know we talked about, okay, if we don't want to sign Kirk and get this quarterback for long term, then we got to beef up the defense, Elliot. And what did we do to get Alex Smith? We traded away our best defensive prospect in, Full- in Kendall Fuller. He was the number one slot corner. The number one slot corner last year. So, you know, I was okay until I heard that, um, and then that just that turned me off. So I think it's obvious what we have to take in the draft. It's got to be defense. It's either got to be – and that's any defense. I've heard names like Vita Vea coming out. Vita Vea is, is a strong uh, defensive tackle. He's, he's going to play a nose guard, and, and that'll be fun. Um, we don't have a dominant interior lineman right now. I don't think we've had one – uh, for a while, um, Swaggy Chris Swaggy Baker was probably our best one, but uh, other than that, we haven't had a dominant one in there. And either that, or um, I've heard Derwin James falling to us. I think that's an awesome defensive playmaker to have. Uh, so those would be my those would be my two names. I would Vita say Vita best case. Derwin James. I, I'm really high on Mika Fitzpatrick, so being a Cowboys fan, that would be one person I would not. Far, you know? I, I agree. That would be someone I would not like to see fall to y'all. Almost like last year how John Allen fell and the Redskins came and take, took him, which oh, yeah. should yeah. be an improvement. I pretty much want to echo everything Ty just said. I mean, I agree 100%. Uh, you trade away Kendall Fuller, your young, controllable defensive talent, which is what you preach from day one building up. You see all these successful teams in the division, even the Eagles. They went with a young, talented, controllable roster. Um, in my opinion, it has to be defense. They absolutely have to go defense. Vita Vey is a name I've heard a lot. They've never had a dominant interior defensive lineman. Uh, they got to have one to stop Ezekiel Elliott within the division, Jay Ajayi. If the Giants get Barkley, they need that interior stopper. So I'd be all about that. Um, also, corner. As I said, you got rid of Kendall Fuller. So you obviously need a replacement there. Derwin James, safety's another issue. You've got uh, Swearinger there. He's okay. He played well last year, but he's never really been dependable or consistent. Monty Nicholson showed flashes, but he's another Jordan Reed. Uh, can he stay on the field? Um, but, yeah, defense, defense, defense. That's that's where you got to go here. So it looks like uh, the Cowboys fans are in slight agreement and the Redskins fans are in full agreement <laughs> of what, the, uh, what each respective team uh, should take in the draft. Um, moving on to our next point in the starting five, and here's the beauty of having your own podcast. Here being our pilot episode, we can really do what we want here. And so we are going to pull uh, what I believe was Alabama basketball this year that ended up finishing a game with four players on the court because they had one foul out. And so our third topic was going to be about uh, the NHL playoffs, about the Capitals rebounding on the road. Uh, we got one that's really excited right here. I think, it was, I, I think it was three, by the way, Jerry. And they finished the, uh, the game with three. It was, it was three players, oh, and three players. they ended up outscoring the other five that they played. Yeah, correct. And during that time, they played. Uh, we got a really excited Caps fan here, but I think what he wants here is to keep this topic on the down low until this series is finished. They have, if I'm not mistaken, come back and taken a 3-2 lead after going down 0-2 in the series. Uh, I was actually at one of them. Great atmosphere. It was an awesome thing to see. And the Caps uh, let us down. So. And they did let them down. And then Vegas' impact on the league. Um, is this good or bad for hockey was basically the question. We can, make that, my dose, we can make that a Montos Minuto. Oh, that would be perfect. That would be perfect. So moving on to the NBA playoffs. We actually have a game going uh, here in the background uh, as we do this podcast with Cleveland and Indiana, what I believe is game four. 
Um, is this game four or three? Four. Four. And we got the Pacers uh, with a two to one lead in the series, and Cleveland is up seventy nine to seventy two at the free throw line right now. Um, and we are moving on to the NBA playoffs. So the first question I want to ask you guys is, what happened to Portland? We had a three seed just get, I mean, absolutely embarrassed by the Pelicans, who hadn't won a playoff series in 12 years, I believe was the number. Um, what exactly happened there? I've got some stats I'd like to share uh, from Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo, but somebody please help me out. What happened to the Blazers, and are the Pelicans a real threat in the West? Well, I just think it exposed Yusuf Nurkic. I mean, everybody talks about how good of a post player he is, and Anthony Davis just sunned him. He just... He just said, yeah. "Go sit, go sit in your room for a lay down." One of the more dominant players. Oh, no, I, mean, I love to see him play. You talk about like the history of the New Orleans Pelicans, but I mean, <laughs> no player in history for the New Orleans Pelicans has been as dominant and as good as Anthony Davis. Right? I mean, that man is unbelievable. He does it all. So I, I just think that if, if you want a short answer on what happened to the, the Portland Trailblazers, it's Anthony Davis. Was well, this also a scenario of where? We are dominant. The NBA is dominated by guard play now. It's all about the shooting. Why is it that a team? I mean, I know Drew Holiday had great games, but why is it that a team that their best players, even though one was hurt, are post players compared to the Blazers when you immediately think CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, the guard play just got outworked one, two, three, and four? Uh, Elliot, I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, I think it's pretty simple. It's flawed roster and veteran presence on the other side. Uh, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum don't play defense. It's pretty simple. They don't have much wing presence. Mo Harkless, uh, Alfred Camino, not not a good roster construction there. As Ty said, Yusuf Nurkic, he got exposed. Granted, Anthony Davis probably top two or three player in the league, but you got you got to find a way to slow him down or funnel it to somewhere else on the floor. Um, as far as the Pelicans being a threat to the other to the others in the West, I don't see it. Uh, if you had Boogie Cousins, we may be talking a different story, but I just think the Warriors went out as long as they're healthy. Rob, well, everyone knows me, but you don't earn respect as a small market team until <laughs> you have to earn it. So you're not going to get it right off the bat. So number one, the coach has to go. For the Blazers, yes, saying. the the Blazers coach has got to go after you get swept like that, but. One player and playoff 50, run. They went over fifty games in the yep. regular season. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, they but, did. But okay, also real quick, I just want to say I am a huge believer in the fact that players determine your postseason success. Your manager shows his worth throughout the season, and I think players show what their worth is in the playoffs. I do agree with that. Now, I didn't watch this series extremely close, but what I can tell is that at halftime, what happened? Are there adjustments made between the games? Are there adjustments made when you have that three-day break, when you move from Portland to New Orleans? Are there adjustments made at halftime? Or are you getting beat the same ways? Are you not changing the way you're playing? Uh, Or is it just like you said, it's the talent, it's the players, it's the lack of defensive presence, uh, the lack of wing players? the game plan might might have worked in reality, and they're going to say we're going to have somebody else beat us, but Anthony Davis was Drew Holiday, and you had playoff Rondo show up, and they tore it up again. I'm glad you mentioned that. If I was to tell all three of you that a guard in this series scored in game one, 21 points, game two, 33 points, game three, 16, and game four, 41 points, I'm going to assume every one of you would say either Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollum. I wouldn't say Lillard because... 
you threw in a couple 16-point games in there, uh, McCollum would have been my guess right there. Okay. Well, can I interest you in Drew Holiday? Because he is the one that put up those numbers on Damian Lillard. I'll sell, uh, I'll sell on the Holiday. He shot over 50% in every game. So that echoes your point. Not a good defensive player. And from the games that I watched, Rajon Rondo, lockdown defender, um, goes for a lot of steals, so sometimes people can maneuver by him. But Lillard was not getting anything he wanted on the offensive line. Uh, he was he was not making his free throws from what I saw. Couldn't get in any kind of rhythm. And to be kind of like bullied by Drew Holiday, good player, but please. No, I, no, honestly, I've heard so many NBA players say, like, okay, it's time to start giving Drew Holiday the credit that he deserves because they talk about how I – can't, I can't remember who said it, but there's a quote out there that says – if Drew Holiday isn't an all-star, I don't know what he is. That might be our friend Tyler Parker. No, it no, could no, be. no, 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 no. It's an NBA player saying that. <laughs> oh, okay. That. And, I, and I actually think, because I think this, I saw this on Instagram, it was when tweets come back to haunt you. I think it was Damian Lillard that said, like, two years ago, if Drew Holiday isn't an all-star, I don't know what is. Well, oh, I think I remember that quote. I'm not sure. Drew Holiday, I, I mean, that one Drew Holiday just does not get enough credit. For what what he does on the defensive I, end of things, and just happened so happened this time around, offensively he was a juggernaut. It was just a flat out embarrassment for everybody in Portland that you're a three seed and you get swept by the Pelicans who haven't won a series in twelve years. See, Rob, you're a big history guy on that <laughs> stuff. You know, like I understand, but <laughs> what Pelicans team has had a juggernaut? I mean, they haven't like, won since they Anthony, were named the Pelicans. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. That's true. It's yeah. true. I just I think they might have had the right game plan. It's just they got beat by two guards that really weren't expected to beat them. But had dominant seasons. And one is always, you know, I think we well, – I hate using the word snub, but I mean, it's, it is a popularity contest. That's what the All-Star game is in the well, Yeah, Miller's been snubbed year after and year. And so he's been snubbed. But when you have performances like this, that's when people start to kind of oh, lose. Questions get brought up. Yeah. Well, they get brought up, and they don't feel as sorry for you anymore. Like, what are you going to do in the playoffs now? Um, I hate to bring the Tracy McGrady thing into into account here, but, you know, I, I mean, I know Portland's not doesn't have a big his, uh, history of winning, but you've got a really solid player, and – how are we, like, are you going to be able to get out of the first round? Are you going to be able to get out of the second round? Or what's going And there's on? a difference in losing four games to two compared to getting swept by a succeed. Yeah. So, uh, there's there's our, our Western Conference take for the week is uh, what happened hey, to Let's throw in our favorites real quick. Who, who's your favorite in the West real quick? Uh, my favorite in the West Look, if Steph Curry comes back, um, I'm still sticking with the Warriors. I'd love to see that conference final between the Rockets and the Warriors. I definitely think they can beat them. If I had a $20 bill that I had to lay down right now, uh, I'm putting it on a healthy Warriors team. Yeah, I'm I'm with the Warriors as well. Until somebody proves that they can beat them in a seven-game series, you might get lucky and beat them once or twice. But I I just – the, the the roster is just unbelievable, so I'm, I'm with the Warriors. Certainly. Four All-Stars on the same starting lineup, two of the top five players in the league. I just don't – if they're healthy, they're going to win. And here's where we get our difference of opinion. The Rockets, Give us the Rockets. The Rockets are going to do it. 
Mike D'Antoni. I'm a Mike D'Antoni believer. A Mike D'Antoni who has never Mike, been to the finals. I'm a Mike D'Antoni believer. See, Chris this, Paul. This is my favorite disagreement of, uh, uh, among the panel because, Rob, no defense. As soon as you can get the ball, uh, his old 2K days, just the – Go, go, go. I believe, I believe in the three. Let me know when Chris Paul has gets to a conference Well, he's final. always been with the loser, Blake Griffin. Uh, well, um, in New Orleans, they didn't do anything. That's true. He had David West was his second best player. So I, I'll give you that. And they were the Hornets. The Clippers, they had Blake Griffin, they had the talent, and then they got Doc Rivers there, and they say, okay, we've got a team with a coach that has done it. He's coached Hall of Fame players. He's going to come here and turn it around. And – as good as they were, they still played baby brother to the Lakers, who still sucked. People still cared more about what was happening to the Lakers because they didn't trust the Clippers to win, and they didn't. When it got playoff time, they choked like dogs again. And so until I see them do it, I'm not going to believe it, but I do think that they had the talent for sure to do it. And the way that D'Antoni has brought this offense about, it's like Phoenix Suns on steroids. Remember the old Phoenix Suns days with Amari Joe Johnson, Amari Stoudemire, Steve Nash. Just upped up, upped another two notches. Upped up another two notches with more threes, which I can't stand. Oh, well, Dan, that's a discussion Dan, for, another for a coach of the year. That's, that's the movement of the NBA analytics. We're going to finish off the starting five before we take a break. Uh, we're going to talk about the stock market and the MLB. Uh, we're going to talk about who's buying or selling stock in the Red Sox, Giancarlo Stanton, and our favorite teams around the block here. So let's start off with the hottest team in baseball, the Red Sox. Are we buying or selling stock? We're going to go to the Red Sox fan with Rob, fresh off of a no-hit bid off the Oakland A's. Are we well, buying or selling? Not only, that, not only is it no-hit bid, by the way, they also lost to day two, so the Oakland Athletics yeah, took so the that's series. That's two in a row. For those non-believers, that'll get you <laughs> selling, but I'll definitely buy because they're with Alex Cora, he's bringing a lot of stuff over from the Astros, a lot of analytics. They're the whole lineups improved their swing with the launch angles and stuff like that. It's been proven they've hit five grand slams in April compared to zero last year with Johnny Farrell as their manager, who is as old school as it gets, and he does not believe in any of the advanced baseball knowledge. But I'm buying all day long, so. I'll let Elliot take his opinion on it. Uh, this pains me to say it as a Yankee fan, but I'm also buying. Uh, as a Yankee fan as well, I see our flawed pitching staff, and that lineup scares me. I mean, one through nine, all of them can hit. Uh, they've got a great pitching staff. Porcello's finally figured it out again this year. He's having to sink her more. Sale, dominant as always. Price looks like his old self. Uh, the new manager, as Robbie said, Alex Core, he seems to have rejuvenated Hanley Ramirez and other veteran players. Uh, I like what they're doing there. I'm buying the Red Sox. Ty. Just for the show's sake, I think I'm going to sell for right now. Um, now, I'm buying that the Red Sox are probably the best team in the league right now, and and, and that's fine. But the, the thing that gets me is the Houston Astros are just unbelievable. Uh, I, I still, I'm a still a believer in the Astros. They okay. won the World Series last year, and they got better in the offseason well, by picking up Garrett Cole. Okay. Yeah, I, I think they're the favorite because, I mean, look at that. We we talked about a dominant pitcher in Sale, a dominant left-handed pitcher in Sale, and what did they do to Kershaw last year in the World Series? Destroyed they beat him. him. That's yep. true. It, it didn't matter. They had a good pitching staff. They had Alex Wood pitching the year of his life last year. They had Rich Hill pitching the year of his life. Those guys were throwing so well. But the Astros just continued to pound the baseball. And when you thought you had them down, they just came back and look, continued look to pound the ball. Look what they did to sail in the playoffs. Yeah, they did that to sail in the playoffs as well. You're right. 
And and so that brings me to the point there as well. Like until you figure those guys out, and then oh by the way, we picked up Garrett Cole in the offseason to add to right. our to our, uh, our starting rotation to go along with a talented young Lance McCullers and uh, Dallas Keuchel. And I mean, Verlander. how do you forget about Verlander? The only weakness I see in them right now is I don't know who their everyday closer is. They're not real sure yet. Yeah, they, they're, they're still not sure of their uh, That is the only pen. weakness. Ken Giles still struggles. I, I think if you throw 99, you should probably throw that pretty often. And yeah, I don't yeah. think he throws it often <laughs> enough. I think he likes to hang the slider. So yeah. that's my take. I'm going to buy the Red Sox as well. Um, sticking with the Astros point, though, um, it's hard to go against a team that has one of your best pitchers married to one of the most gorgeous women on the face of this earth with Justin Verlander <laughs> and Kate Upton. But, look, I've watched more of the Red Sox and the Nationals more than I have my own team uh, at, my, at the, where I live because of my roommates and their preference in baseball. And this team has got it. Like, I, I hate when Robbie uses the word it when he turns the games off in the first inning because they don't have it. But whatever it is right now, I know it's the first couple months of the season. Uh, it's a long marathon. But right now, they've got it. Whatever it is, they're winning games in the ninth inning. Uh, their pitchers are on a roll. They, Like you mentioned earlier, Elliot, Hanley Ramirez looks like he's back in the prime of his career. I mean, just clutch hit after clutch hit. Uh, their home runs are back. I think we listened to a stat the other night where the Red Sox have hit five grand slams, and this was a week or two ago. And last year, how many did they hit? I'm not sure they hit a one. Big zero. They hit zero home, <laughs> zero grand slam home runs. They had five already this year. So whatever's going on right there with Alex Cora and that team, they've got it. And so I'm definitely buying their stock. Um, whether they should be the favorites or not, I don't know. I'm usually a fan of giving the favorite advantage to the previous World Series winners or championship winners unless they lose a major piece, which the Astros I'm not, do not believe that they did. They didn't lose any major pieces. They're a solid young team. Uh, but I, I, I'm definitely in favor of buying stock. Uh, going back on what Robbie said about the Astros' questions at the end of the game, um, I agree. He's got Red Sox have the advantage there with Kimbrell. I mean, he's been shut down. And although I do think the Astros will address that in the trade deadline or before, their GM has shown a very aggressive nature here recently in going out and getting players. Jeffrey Loonhow, I believe his name is. But the closer situation is definitely something they will clear up. You've got the Royals closer who's going to be Herrera. Open. Yeah, he's yeah. going to be open market this year. Very good player. He could definitely be a target of theirs. To short. So as of right now, I still keep the Astros favorite. Uh, I think the Red Sox will be right on their heels. Nice. So moving from uh, one rival to the other, we're going to the Yankees now. Elliot, this is your roundhouse. This is also me and fantasy-wise. Giancarlo Stanton, uh, what the hell's going on? Because my fantasy team is struggling. Uh, Yankee fans, I know, especially at home, have given him the boot a couple of times with the booing, uh, even in wins. So I, I've seen where you guys are, are winning uh, by multiple runs, two and three runs, and he comes up and he strikes out for the third or fourth time. He's getting booed out of the stadium. So I know because of money-wise, they expect a show out of Giancarlo Stanton. I, I personally think he's going he's gonna to get it together at some point in the season. He's too good of a player. Um, I'm really interested to see uh, Ty's uh, outlook on this, him being a, co a collegiate baseball player. I'm sure he went through slumps and how he dealt with it. Uh, whether I'm not, I mean, obviously the crowds that he dealt with aren't Yankee Stadium crowds being paid millions and millions of dollars. But I'd like to see what's the problem. Is he going to get it together? And how how does his support staff, that, that being his coaches, players, and fans, how does that all affect his ability to get back on to what they expect him to be? You want to start out, Todd? Yeah, uh, sure. I, 
you know, I think Stanton has always been a high-risk, high-reward type of player. I think he's always been a high-strikeout guy. Now, last year he had, again, I mentioned it earlier with uh, with uh, Alex Wood. He's having, He had the year of his life last year. Uh, I don't think he's going to get any better than that. Uh, you know, John Carlo has always gone through stretches um, throughout his major league career, uh, even when he was Mike for the, uh, for the Florida Marlins. Uh, he's always had those little stretches. And, you know, it's tough to have it at the beginning of the year, and you hear MLB players talk about it all the time. When you have a rough start to the year, you've got to look up there throughout, you know, the late games in April and early May, and you see a buck 97 up there. Uh, it, it's, tough to, it's tough to see. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure what his actual average is. So we're looking it up, and I believe this is through. Yeah, it's really close. I think it's 195. Yeah, so it's tough to see. It's it's tough to see yourself below the Mendoza line. Um, I mean, take it from me. My senior year in college, I started the season 0 for 22. And the number of Jimmy Burke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The number of Jimmy Burke. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. You, you did a lot for me in my high school career. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, started 0 for 22, and, you know, even after you get that first hit, it's just like you look and you're hitting, oh, you're hitting uh, 0 47. Uh, it's just tough to see, and, and baseball is such a stats-driven game that it is. it's it's tough. Not only is it tough, you know, to see your stats suffer, but to hear your own home fans just boo you out of the stadium. And, and But you got to know that's part of the territory, too. And you I think he knows York, that. Yeah. To me in the media, I think he's dealt with it perfectly from what I've seen in his interviews. He's... He understands that the performance that he's given out is not acceptable and that he's got to get out of it. Uh, through 19 games, like we said, 195, four home runs, two of which he hit on opening day uh, against the Rays, um, so 15 hits, and he's got 77 at-bats. So, Jays, actually. It's, uh, uh, excuse me, the Blue Jays. So he's, he's definitely been struggling. The home runs aren't there. Luckily, he's got a solid lineup, especially Aaron Judge, to back him up. To the Yankees fan for opinions on Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, maybe he just needs to play the Blue Jays every game. That's uh, right. I do believe all four right. of his home runs have came against the Jays. That, and I saw two of them, and they were no doubters. It looked like <laughs> typical Giancarlo. But in all seriousness, I think you pretty much nailed it on the head. Uh, notoriously streaky player. He's just in a slump right now. If you see it, he'll go on a, a stretch of five home runs in a week. You see it every summer. Uh, but other than that... I think maybe just a little bit of big city pressure, new new faces, new city. Um, he's been playing in Miami, small market, extremely small market. No fans at the games. Right. I just think it's a familiarity thing. Uh, he'll figure it out. He's like you said, he's got Aaron Judge to back him up. D.D. Gregorius uh, cementing himself as a top shortstop in the league. Oh, both those guys having great years. I just he's too good of a player to not figure it out. He's the lineup around him. He's going to produce. It's just a matter of if, a win, not if. And Rob? Well, you can use the phrase of the player. I hate um, Aaron Rodgers in the relax for the Yankee fans because they'll be all right. Um, Stanton's on his front foot right now. It looks bad, but he'll figure it out. His timing's way off. He's, yes. he's, he's pressing because the pressure in New York. Prime example is Carl Crawford, Pablo Sandoval. Both good players, terrible performers in a big market, though. <laughs> Just terrible. You've got Judge. He's doing. He's he's playing good, doing his thing. Gary Sanchez, who I still believe is the best hitter on the team. DD, who is hitting the hell out of the baseball. Um, <laughs> the pitching will come around. I, I can tell it's hurting him to yeah, say oh, some of is, this stuff. Yeah, he's crazy. To give credit, 
to these guys. It's I'm an probably, audio thing, but we definitely should get video I'm, so I'm, that we I'm can see it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think the cold weather has a lot to do with it with their pitchers. Tanaka's picky, fragile. Okay. He's got an elbow problem, but I don't think he's getting a good he grip on the ball. Poodle. He's got to be fragile. Severino, he's yeah. a good player. And CC, you get him to the playoffs and he's going to win. And they've got a they've got one of the most dominant bullpens in the game, so they'll be all right. Oh yeah, it's just a matter of time. And a guest appearance from Jimmy McKay. <laughs> so that's all for our starting five headlines. We've got to the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, and the MLB coming up in the seventh inning stretch. What should the Spurs do with Kawhi Leonard? Who are our pre-draft Super Bowl favorites? What are the MLB power rankings right now? And what are our opinions on Alex Ovechkin's legacy? Uh, determining what happens in this series. We'll be right back. Hard throw. Hard frame. Hey! And that was Harry Carey with Take Me Out to the Ball Game, leading us into the seventh inning stretch. Uh, as previously mentioned, we're going to be talking about the Kawhi Leonard situation in San Antonio. Um, the pre-draft Super Bowl favorites, um, our MLB power rankings, and the legacy of Alex Ovechkin. Let's start off with the Kawhi Leonard uh, scenario going on in San Antonio. So, as most of us know, the Spurs uh, held on today, winning game four. So they're going to stay alive in the series against the Golden State Warriors without Stephen Curry. Uh, and they've went through this series along with the entire season of Kawhi Leonard. I'm really looking forward to some of the opinions of Rob because I've heard them uh, throughout the NBA season. I want to see what you guys think as well uh, in comparison to him. Uh, so, Rob, why don't you start us off with, what's, number one, what is going on? What is the situation there? And what should the Spurs do uh, now and in the near future about the all-star Kawhi Leonard? I'll keep it G-rated as I think he's being a little bitty baby that he belongs on the Rugrats. And because the word now is he is in New York while his team is in the playoffs and he will not respond to text messages or calls from coaches and or teammates. Uh, Derek Rhodes. Yes, he has went. Uh, he okay, has before went we put the Derek Rose thing in there, I actually have this in my notes that this is not a Derek Rose comparison here. It is. It is not. It is the exact same. It is not a Derek Rose well, comparison. Well, I think he's being incredibly selfish. He has hurt his trade value for his team because the Celtics, for example, if the Celtics wanted him, they have all the leverage because if if the Spurs ask for a ton, the Celtics are just going to say no, that you can keep him, and you're going to have this player who obviously is done playing for you. He does not want to suit up because he is healed multiple times over. He's, so you're saying it's him and the organization. It is between them. He yes. does not want to be a Spur. It's not health. The Spurs have lost all leverage on trading him because they're going to have to take whatever they can get. Which is why I say this is not. Or we may be talking about two different times. No. I'm saying this is not a road scenario. Is when he tore that knee no, yeah. and he set out the next year. Oh, he's this fully was not healthy. A few. This boy is fully healthy. Well, we thought Rose was fully healthy. It was just a mental thing. Well, now and those this jokes is, come out. This is not a major injury. There's no worry on that end. No, come back. This is this is very reminiscent. Uh, as Skins fans, me and Elliot would know uh, of Sue Cravens. Exactly. That's exactly That's exactly who it is. So go ahead, Rob. Finish your finish your point there, bro. I just think he's he's ruined his his value for the team to trade him, and I think that's really hurting the team. Popovich has let his feelings be known by calling him out with 
the comments he made on the Marcus Aldridge on national television. I think he did. And while Elliot gives us his take, I'll look for that video, and then we'll add that uh, Greg Popovich piece to the podcast, and we'll let the viewers decide on their own what they thought that that meant with maybe some uh, small jabs at Kawhi Leonard in there. Also, do we know his contract situation? I can look that up as well. I'm pretty sure. two years left. Yeah, I don't think he's a free agent in the summer. Okay. Or next summer. So that that almost puts the power back into the Spurs' hands. Yes. Because if he's not a free agent, you're either going to play for us or you're just going to sit there. I'm not sure he's not afraid to set it another year. Now, I think that would hurt his actual value. Right now, his value is not hurt. I think he's a top-five player when he's healthy. I think teams his, should his, give up what they need to, to get his value. his value is okay, but his value on the trade market is hurting because teams aren't, aren't willing to give up more because they know that you're in a bad situation with him. He's not going to play for you. Yeah, they're not going to get max assets yeah. out of him Yeah, yeah at the current situation. Um, as far as what's going on with Kawhi Leonard, I have no clue. I think we could call in Donald Trump and say we need to figure out what's going on here. Uh, but that's that's what they need to do. they got to figure it out. As Ty said, it's exactly like Sewer Cravens. Uh, does he want to be with the team? Does he want to play basketball? I mean, obviously we're talking about two different caliber players here, but the Spurs have to figure that out because if he doesn't want to be there, you got to get rid of him. you got to get what you can out of him. As Robbie said, his value may not be at an all-time high, but it's better than getting nothing when he walks in free agency. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when that is, but it should be within two years, I would think. Um, because the Spurs, other than him and Aldridge, don't really have much around him, so they need to get all they can get. They need to get youth. Uh, you've got Manu Ginobili. He's, he's gone. You've got Danny Green. He's getting old. Uh, Pau Gasol, another aging veteran. Um they don't really have much other than those two players. So if he doesn't want to be there, I think you hit the reset button. So I've just got up Kawhi Leonard's uh, financial numbers here. He is under contract until the end of the 2019-2020 season. So he's still got two more years where he is paid and under contract to play for the San Antonio Spurs. So does that change either of you's opinion on what the best way to move? To me, it is to find the best possible trade market if it's okay. if the feud is between him and the team. Yeah, he has to go. Okay. Because you can't keep him there because he obviously doesn't care about the team. He, him being out gives them no shot against the Warriors. I think I if agree. he plays, they have a chance with Curry being out. He wastes your he wastes your money too, sitting over there. I mean you you're paying him a lot of money yes. right now yep. to sit on the bench and do nothing. So not even sit on the bench okay, he's in New York. Yeah, whatever you can do Okay, Jenna. Well, interjections. Um, so before we hit uh, Ty's point here, let's listen to what Greg Popovich had to say uh, after, I believe, what was game two, uh, which was a loss by the Spurs, and he was talking about LaMarcus Aldridge here. LaMarcus has been a monster all year long. Uh, he's uh, led our team at both ends of the floor. Uh, he doesn't complain about a darn thing out of the court. He just plays through everything. Uh, I've, I can't imagine being uh, more proud of a player uh, as far as playing through adversity and being there for his teammates night after night after night. So that's Greg Popovich talking about uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, who has uh, done a complete 180 as opposed to what I thought his performance was in last year's postseason as to this one. So, Todd, does that video uh, 
change your opinion or does it just enforce your opinion on the Kawhi Leonard situation? No, it enforces it. I mean, if you've got somebody like Pop taking jabs at you, I mean, Pop is most like the, one of the most respected coaches, one, for how good he is, but two, how good he is with the players as well. Yep. I mean, we just saw it with his wife uh, dying just this week. Um you know, a bunch of players, a bunch of star players coming to his, you know, to his uh, support. Um, and if you've got a coach like that calling you out, you should probably take a look in the mirror. I mean, it's it's definitely on Kawhi. There's no fault of the Spurs here. Right. I don't even know what he's upset about. With an organization like the Spurs that has uh, the reputation that they do, it's, in my opinion, one of the best-run organizations in all of sports at any level. I mean, just, They've made the playoffs for 20 straight years. Going back to when they drafted Tim Duncan, you've never had a problem with a player like this before. I, I mean, I don't know what's going on, but like you said, it's it's got to be an issue with him himself because with Popovich's reputation and the teams, something's got to be going on to where – where he needs to look and see what is going on with me right now. Is there a problem with myself? And like Rob said, it looks to me, it sounds to me like he's being selfish, unless there's more to this thing that we don't know, which I think there might be. I don't I don't understand how you can be upset and play for Pop, because like you guys just said, they don't have anything. They, they have zero star power, and they're old. And they're still in the playoffs year after year after year after year. Popovich gets the most out of his players. He's a great coach when... A lot of times in the NBA, I don't think you have to coach. I don't think Tyron Lue coaches. There's just not a lot of good, solid coaches out there. I mean, you've got a lot of – one of my uh, more uh, more respected people on radio always says LeBron James is the coach and the general manager of the team he's on. And that may not be true, but I've seen a lot of things go on in those huddles to where it looks like LeBron has a lot to do with what they run. Not saying that Tyron Lue isn't coaching – but I can tell you, Greg Popovich, like you said, he's doing a lot more, I believe, than people like Teron Lue. Yeah, it's the Spurs and the Patriots. I mean, they're the two model franchises, if you if you think about it. You've got Popovich, you've got Belichick. They're just models of consistency, and it's a culture. It's, it's sustained success. So it looks like, um, I mean, to finish off this subject, I have written down in my notes that I think the Spurs should do what they can to do uh, to mend the relationship with Kawhi Leonard if at all possible. They need to keep this guy. In my opinion, he's a top-five talent in the league when he's healthy. He's one of the best players. He's a franchise player that you can uh, build around. If that's not possible, if this relationship is unsalvageable, you need to trade him as soon as you can. Uh, he's still got two more years, so if, even if he does play, is he really giving it his all? We don't know if he's going to lay it all out on the court for that team. So you need to trade him. Uh, and with the Derrick Rose thing, as it could be compared to when he just left the Cavs or the Knicks. The Knicks. That was the situation I was referring uh, okay. to. Okay, see, the Bulls situation, <laughs> completely different. It was not a feud between him and the team. No, no, no. The team backed him at every stop, Agreed. which was a problem with me. I didn't want to back <laughs> him myself. Whole another story for a whole different day. Uh, moving on to our uh, second subject in the seventh inning drafts. What are our Super Bowl favorites? Um, who do we think is coming out of the NFC and the AFC? And this will be fun to compare uh, to what actually happens in February. Elliot, we'll let you start off with pre-draft Super Bowl favorites. Uh, can we just say the NFC? I mean, you look at the AFC. Absolutely. The Steelers are in flux. What's happening with Le'Veon Bell? Yep. Big Ben's aging. Mike Tomlin seems to have some feuds with players. Uh, Patriots. Tom Brady's not getting any younger. 
Belichick seems to be selling off some of his good players, maybe players quitting on the team, talks of Gronk retirement. I mean, and then you got the NFC. You add Kirk Cousins to the Vikings. The Rams go out and acquire Marcus Peters, acute to lead. Sue. Yep. I mean, all these NFC teams got better, and we're forgetting about the Eagles, who just won the Super Bowl. And are getting their quarterback back. Exactly. Yes, getting a great quarterback. Star quarterback back, which is pretty much like getting a Kirk Cousins for the Vikings. And didn't they pick it's, up a receiver as well? Am I mistaken? Did they pick up the Eagles? Uh, yeah. Did they get Mike Wallace or was they that did. another They did. They got Mike Wallace, but they got rid of Torrey Smith. So, uh, so you're trading tip for tap. Yeah, that's a wash. But I can't say a clear favorite, but it's got to be one of those three NFC teams for me. I disagree. I'm going to go with an AFC team, just to totally go against you there, I think. I'm going to guess this is the Patriots. No, well, I mean, you could go with the Patriots. I think, and, all, four and of us, give me a heart I think yeah. all four of us could go with the Patriots, and nobody would say yeah, anything. nobody would say much. You almost, every year I almost say the Patriots are the favorite, and then we move on from there. But I'm, I'm, I'm buying on the Houston Texans. All right. There's I'm buying on the Houston Texans. I mean, you're getting Deshaun Watson back. They look like a totally different team with him under, Absolutely. under center Absolutely. I don't think you can dispute that. that. So you're getting him back. There is always a question of, you know, is it going to be a Robert Griffin III situation, which hurts me to say. But uh, uh, as we saw, Robert Griffin III came back and was not the same player, didn't want to be the same player, wanted to become a pocket passer. And so it's, it's all of, you know, his mental health as well. So you can't just – Throw Deshaun Watson out there and say, "Well, yeah, he's he's good to go. He's ready to roll." Um, same thing with JJ Watt. They both uh, huge injuries, so it, it's tough to just say. You know, I think we take it for granted a lot of times with these torn ACLs, but uh, there, there's some serious things. But Peterson, I think Peterson made them look like they were nothing. That's yeah, right. yeah, really. You, well, you're right. you mentioned JJ right. Watt. Can you really put faith in JJ Watt? The last couple of years, he's that back. And when you get a back, it's bad. I mean, the, the injuries have started to pile up. Take easy with Tyron Smith. That's true. That would be, now, my, that would be <laughs> my worry with that team: health and the other side of the ball. Now, Jadavian Clowney, who I, I'm pretty sure that I read uh, yesterday, yeah, they're, they're trying deal. to get a new deal yeah, with him. He seems to be like he's going to be the player they expected him to be after having some injuries in his early. He had career. some knee problems. He finally got through. Yeah, if you have those two cornerstones there. That pass rush will help out the poor secondary, but that's my main concern with that team. In a quarterback-driven league, as you mentioned earlier, yep. I worry about the Texans' secondary. When you're not beating the Patriots with cornerbacks, you're beating the Patriots with a pass rush. And look, that's why they need to be healthy. Yep. And I think the Texans can do even more to improve. I mean, I think with the, the release of Des Bryant, he with the, the emotion that he's got in it right now, uh, he obviously took it personal. Uh, we know it's the NFL is probably the most business-driven league out of all the leagues because Certainly. the money is not guaranteed. You mess up or people don't want you, they can cut you. They can say goodbye. You're not getting all that money in your contract. So he's going to take emotion into account. There's two ways to stick it to the Cowboys. You can either play for someone in the East or you can go to the Texans, which is a team that's still in the state of Texas. What else would make Jerry Jones mad than to go to the team and try to make that team uh, a bigger um, show than the Dallas Cowboys. You're going to move to another team in Texas to try to steal some of that thunder away from Dallas. I think that would be a good fit for him. He'd go across from DeAndre Hopkins to Sean Watson. There's been talk of him with the Giants. I'm not sure if that would work. I think it would be fun to see Deshaun Watson with those two weapons now. He also did have, uh, the was it Will Fuller, Will Fuller that played really well. So where they would go, um, on the depth chart, I'm not really sure, but that's always an opening uh, I could definitely see the Texans as being a threat. Uh, before I put my Super Bowl favorite there, I'll let Rob go ahead and give us his opinion. 
uh, while we're currently watching a little tussle here at the end of the Cleveland-Indiana game. Uh, just a quick update. Oh, guess who's involved? Lance, Lance Stevenson. Stevenson. So it's 103-100. Uh, Cleveland's winning with nine seconds left. So if we interject with a couple of basketball stats here, that's why I'm just catching into that. But Rob, Super Bowl favorite. And obviously this could change within the next week after the draft. But right now? Um, I'm not sure I have a total favorite. AFC Patriots because the Steelers can't beat them. And, but I think you have to throw the Jaguars in there as well. Um, they were tough last year. Blake Bortles, not a big believer, but he could get better. You know what you're going to be getting in Leonard Fournette. They've got a one, maybe the best defense in the league. You got Jalen Ramsey. You got the pass rush. NFC. I think the Rams are going to be there. I think they might have a little bit of a letdown of what they're being expected to have because a lot of teams that build up like that when the Eagles went for it with Austin Wilde, they kind of flopped. But you've got the Rams. The Vikings are going to be really tough. I'll probably bet some money on them through the year and. You've got the Eagles that are there. So if I had to, my favorite would be the Eagles just because they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. And Carson Wentz is coming back, which makes my heart hurt. But they have got to be the favorite. And as you said, the Patriots are your AFC favorite. You said the way you beat them is pass rush. Yep. What do all three of those teams have? A dominant pass rush. Yep, the Jaguars, are. I'll put them up against anybody on the defensive side of the football. So in my notes for this uh, section, I actually had the letters IDK because I have no idea. I'm so biased when it comes to the NFC. I'm like Elliot. I think it's by far and away the better conference. Uh, all the good teams got better, it seems. Yes. You've got the Eagles that are obviously going to improve with their quarterback returning, the Vikings. Uh, now, listen to what I'm saying here. I obviously think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Case Keenum. I think he's significantly more talented. However, the way Case Keenum played last year with that team, how much better can you actually play? I thought he played very stellar. I thought he had an absolutely great postseason. Now, Robbie made some points that you can open up the playbook, but as a, uh, when you're taking into account his actual level of play, I thought it was incredibly high. Um, he gave that team life. So... I, do think I just think it makes them harder to defend. You've got to you've got to play more things. With Case Keenum, you can expect the ball to go here. Kirk comes in, you cannot expect it to go to one area. They could go deep. They can go anywhere with the ball. Well, also, and it's and I think it's going to take some time for them because I think they might even no, they change might, the they playbook. Might, a little yeah, they bit. might struggle out of the gate. Very well, could struggle because they've got two talented running backs in the backfield that exactly. they can work now with. Coming back. He's, yep. kind of, he's an ACL injury too. Yep. Uh, so, that being said, I think if I had to pick a favorite, I would go with my normal. I'd pick the previous champion because they didn't get better. They actually got worse. I'd pick Philadelphia. However, it is so incredibly hard to repeat in the yeah, NFL. Yeah. So, if I actually had to put money on someone to win it, as much as this doesn't make sense, I wouldn't bet that the Eagles will win it. I think they deserve to be the favorite. But I think I'm odds are on. someone else is going to win it. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I, I'm, I'm a Mike Zimmer fan. He used to coach in Dallas. He's a defensive-minded head coach. I didn't like how he played off the quarterback situation last year. He didn't give his quarterback a lot of credit for someone that I thought was playing out of his league, to be brutally honest. Well, in the playoff game, he was awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, he definitely he definitely overperformed last year. Uh, the Rams could definitely make a shot at I think that's going to be like a, a, a one-hit wonder. Uh with regards to what they're going to do next year with all these players on, on either one-year deals or finishing up a deal where they got traded. Uh, and just a quick interjection here, the Cleveland Cavaliers have just won game four and tied the series at 2-2. Two to two. 
Uh, final score was 104 to 100. So uh, these two teams will be heading back to Cleveland uh, to play a game five uh, all tied up. Just a side note, uh, LeBron James has never even uh, been down uh, in a first-round series until this year, and so obviously he has never lost a first-round series. Ball, ball, never lost. And so that'll finish up our Super Bowl favorites. Um, I think we can be quick through the uh, MLB power rankings since we talked a lot about that earlier, about who our favorites are. Um, uh, we can be pretty quick through that. Like well, let I said, us hear the ESPN ones. What are they? So compared to the ESPN yeah. ones, uh, number one are the Boston Red Sox. Uh, we have the Houston Ashers slated at two. Angels at three. Mets are four. The Diamondbacks are five. Indians six. The Yankees at seven. The Cubs at eight. Uh, the Nationals at 9, and the rounding off at 10 are the Minnesota Twins. So I'll let you guys kind of take reins here with your power rankings. Ty, why don't you start out uh, with yours? And these ESPN ones will be updated next week, so we're almost doing our little prediction of what we think will be the power rankings come tomorrow morning. So like you said on the uh, on the football Super Bowl playoffs, or Super Bowl uh, favorites, I don't know. I'm, I don't know either. I think 1 and 2 they've got correct. Um I will say, like I said earlier, I think the Astros are a little bit above um, the Red Sox right now, even though the Red Sox are having a great year. They're at 17 and 4 now, Robbie. Okay, 17 and 4. Sorry. Uh, But I'm still sold on the Astros. Uh, Then after that, it it gets a little hairy. Uh, You've got the Angels at 3, but they've played the the Oakland A's six or seven times now. And and I just, um, I'm not a huge believer in Otani just yet. Uh, I think he has the ceiling to go really, really high. But at the same time, I think he could also be a major bust. Uh, he's already come down with a blister. Um, so it's, that's a he's scary got situation. Just if he can put it all together. I think the nationals are okay right now. I think they've got basically the same team. They just need to figure it out. Uh, they're slow offensively to start out. Um, I think a lot of that could be Murphy. A lot of that could be Murphy, too. You're going to get Murphy back here soon. Um, but also, again, we talk about taking injuries for granted. Yeah. Uh, that That's a scary injury there as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you, Jared. I'm not really sure. I, I've got Astros 1, Red Sox 2, and then I'll take anybody else uh, 3, 4, 5. I, the, the field is... is Pretty pretty jumbled right now, and I think that's to be expected. And I think the Angels did their part in making that jumble after the show that they put on against the Red Sox, allowing them to come there and complete domination uh, from the side of Boston. So a little bit of a jumble after Boston. It looks like Ty has Boston and Houston on another level than everyone else. Elliot, we'll move on to you. I have to agree with that. I mean, as we said, I think Houston's the best. Red Sox are right on their heels. Uh, the Angels being third seems a little high. It's early. Their pitching staff isn't great. As Ty said, Otani's still sort of an unknown. Uh, the Mets being at four, if they stay healthy, yeah, they've got the pitching staff, certainly. Uh, D-backs, I think, are way too high at five. Uh, they do have a good pitching staff, but their lineup is terrible. As Ty said in the playoffs last year, Houston exposed a great pitching staff in the Dodgers. So I don't see the D-backs being a threat. Indians, I think, could put it together. Great pitching staff, great Great lineup, really, top to bottom. Uh, the one question I would have is maybe their corner outfield. Not not strong production there. Yankees at seven, as we said earlier. John Carlos Stanton, slow start. I think they'll I think they'll pick it up. 
One question there being their starting pitching. I think they need to make a move at the deadline, sort of as we alluded to with the Astros and their relief pitching. I think. Any specific names there that you can throw out with regards to the Yankees picking up to a pitcher to help bolster that lineup? The big name that I've heard is Chris Archer from the Rays. I don't know if they'd be willing to do an interdivision trade, but that is the one big name out there. Um, I don't know if I'd want him as a Yankee fan. I think he's a bit overrated. He benefits from the ballpark. Trop is a very pitcher-friendly park. Um, we got the Cubs at eight. I think the Cubs will slide up there very high before the end of the year. Top five, certainly, maybe top three. Uh, I think Darvish will figure it out with their pitching staff. I was about to make a comment on Darvish. I mean, not to get off subject, but I mean, some people I know that are that's, uh, up north, towards Northern Virginia that are Cubs fans are questioning: Did they make the right move? Basically dumping Arietta off and picking up you Darvish, who I personally like as a bias from being a former yeah, Ranger. So uh, I hope I hope for his sake and theirs that he plays better as the year goes on. Again, Darvish moving to a better pitching environment uh, in Texas. The heat in the summer, his numbers are a bit inflated. Mm-hmm. Small ballpark. Um, I think Contreras is a good catcher. I think he'll help him out if they can get on the same page. I know they're different languages. Hopefully that can mesh well. They've got Quintana um, and Lester too, so they should be. Quintana and Lester, veteran presence yeah. to kind of help them along. Nationals at nine, too low. They'll be top five. I think these power rankings early in the year, they put too much stock into what teams are doing now and still what the finished product will be. Um, Nationals, Nationals lost again tonight, by the way. Nationals will figure it out. They've had some Rendon, health issues. Rendon just got put on the DL. As Robbie said, Murphy. That's a key part in that lineup. Someone to back up Bryce Harper as Ryan Zimmerman is struggling to start the year. And around out the top ten, Minnesota Twins, I think I would just flip-flop them in the Dodgers at 11. Dodgers, strong pitching staff, balanced lineup. Other than that, I think, I think it's not too bad. Rob, any key changes to uh, I'm just gonna go with the power top, rankings? I'm just going to go with the top five because I think there's a lot of parity after five. But I would the Red Sox were one, but they have to drop to two after this week. You've got no hit. I know you dominated the Angels, <laughs> but you got no it's, it's good for a little self-humility. It's um, nice to see it. You've got the Red Sox at two. They can hit the ball. Um, they need to learn. The Yankees are starting to play better. They have a winning record now, 11-9. and nine. I think they move into the top five this week. The Nationals had a shot to move into the top five, but it looks like they're going to lose, so I'm going to keep them out for now. And I'll keep... The Angels are definitely falling out, and I'll throw the Diamondbacks up there just because of Patrick Corbin and how well he's pitching already this year. Very 4-0 good with a 1.89 ERA. As you mentioned, the Red Sox were no hit. Corbin threw a complete game one hitter last week. Yes, yes. I know that because I had him on my fantasy team. <laughs> and he was on your bench, Robbie. Yes. As was Manaya on yes. mine. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't blame that one so much. The Corbin one, I, I was a head-scratcher, but... Start Manea against a powerful Boston team. Uh, a little risky. That's good. It is very risky. <laughs> so due to time constraints, uh, we may end up uh, cutting off our, our final segment with uh, the Dos Minutos because I really do want to hear you guys' opinions uh, on this final topic of seventh inning stretch. Um, Ovechkin's legacy. Now, this can be based on what is his legacy now as opposed to what it's going to be after this series, win or lose, or the next series – which we all know what that series is going to be should they advance here uh, playing against Pittsburgh. And Ty, I think it would, it's fairly uh, – actually, I want to save you for last because I want to hear your opinions last. Rob, 
What is your uh, What are your thoughts on the legacy that Ovechkin's going to leave with his uh, scoring ability? Uh, his, his obviously going to go down as one of the best scorers, one of the best players in the NHL. But he, I mean, let's be honest, he has struggled mightily, or his team has struggled mightily to succeed in the playoffs. I think he's he's obviously one of the best players. He's definitely the best player the Capitals have and have had in their history. He's he's talented from the um, the office they call it, and he. The big thing is is that he'll always be overshadowed by Crosby because he hasn't beat him yet. He could change that this year. Doesn't look like it, but he could very well do that. And I think that would vastly improve his legacy among Capital fans and around the NHL. He could pull that off. And I, I agree because it, I think the later you do it. That the more people will remember it. Yeah. So this is going to be later. What have you done for me lately? Right, Elliot. Uh, I, I think it's similar to the LeBron Durant comparison. I think Ovechkin, awesome player, puts up incredible stats. LeBron more like Crosby. Crosby wins in the playoffs. He gets the team around him. He makes them succeed when yeah. it matters. Um, it seems like they play better too. Like absolutely. Not only do they continue to play at a good level, they play at an even higher level. They make sure they're at their best possible form when the time is right. Yep. And as far as his legacy, DC, he's going to be a hero forever. He's brought this city together. They get excited about hockey. Uh, I'm not much of a hockey fan myself, but I see him on TV all the time. Uh, I remember the commercials back on ESPN when I was little all the time. Uh, as far as his legacy as a whole, he's he's got to get it done in the playoffs, man. It's just that's what it comes down to. That's what people want. They want to see wins in the playoffs when it matters. For me, with Alex Ovechkin, again, I hate to uh, – I think I used maybe the T-Mac comparison a little out of context earlier, but to me, this is perfect. A great scorer. Great player, very popular player, but he they're not winning the playoffs. Whether it's just his fault or not, his team has not been successful when it matters in the playoffs when it comes to how deep they play, uh, his personal performance. I know that it's not just about how many goals you score in each individual game. I know the game I went to, I, I don't believe he scored personally, uh, but it seems like when the rival that you always – it always seems to come up when we talk about this is the Capitals and the Penguins when Crosby seems to step up in those situations and you see them bringing home the Stanley Cup. That is where Ovechkin has failed is to bring that back to Washington. Now, I'm not – I'm like you. I'm not a very a super informed about hockey, uh, but I know the person on my right is. Big hockey fan, huge Ovi fan, and so I'm really interested to see how his more informed opinions – uh, comparing to R three, I, I like I said, I threw out the team out comparison. Great player, but what do you? I mean, he has he just has yet to do it in the playoffs, whether it's his fault or not. And so, Ty, we'll let you finish off the subject and seventh in the stretch with the uh, Ovi's legacy. Well, you guys mentioned that. I don't think you can hurt his legacy any more than it's already been hurt. Everybody knows he's a great goal scorer. I actually looked up today. If he averages 41 goals for the next seven seasons, he is 32. Uh, and, and there has been some questions sometimes of uh, when he's um, committed to the Capitals or when he's committed to playing for Russia in the Olympics. That takes a lot of time out. Right. Um, uh, he plays a lot of hockey. Uh, but if he averaged 41 goals for the next seven seasons, he could tie uh, – for the most all time, and that is the great exactly. uh, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, but so we all know he's a great scorer, and we all know that he can't really get it done in the playoffs. Uh, whether that be him, whether that be coaching, whether that be the team that surrounds him, 
He has yet to get it done, and, and I understand fully the, the frustration. Now, what you said, he's not going... I mean, he's going to be a legend, but it's going to be a tarnished legend at that because there are so many Caps fans that I've heard saying trade Ovechkin every year, and that just... That chaps. That chaps me in a, in a well, place where the sun some, don't shine. We know some people that hop on the fire wagon oh, yeah, very yeah, quickly. Yeah, Jordan Mercer is one. Um, dropping my, names. My buddy Moose. Our first pilot episode. Oh, yeah. My buddy dropping Moose. Names. I'll, I'll drop another name. My buddy Moose is always on Ovechkin's butt about uh, about getting us to, you know, to the Stanley Cup Finals. We have yet to be to the Stanley Cup Finals. We've made the playoffs for the last 10 years consecutively uh, and have not made it to the Stanley Cup. Uh, partly that is because we always run up against Crosby or we run up against the hot goaltender or the best goaltender in the game in Henrik Lundqvist in, in New York. Uh, it's It's been tough. Like, we've run against some tough teams. But you would think, especially with three President's Cup trophies, uh, two of them being within the last three years uh, for the Caps, that you would find a way to get it done. And, and they just haven't done that yet. And... Uh, um, but if if he can somehow find a way, which as as a as a fan that doesn't like this, go in too soon. Uh, we got to beat Columbus first, and then we'll worry about Pittsburgh next. So it's always good to hear uh, your opinion on hockey. I, I truly uh, enjoy listening to it because again, I I know us three don't watch a lot of hockey. I'd like to get into it after going to that game with you. Um, well, this is Terry Stotts's. Very well could be fired is the report now. Don't forget Nashville on the other side of this with a convincing 5-0 win over the Avalanche tonight. That could be another – that is a whole different story. Is the whole Barry Trot story. As uh, we had a fan yell, wake oh, up Trotz at the game. We had plenty of – we heard the fan yell at Barry Trotz. Uh, that was fun. Quick last opinion on Trotz. Is he, uh, is he safe or gone if they fail to win this series? This series, he's gone. This series, he's gone? Agreed. Do gone? something, Trotz! He's gone. Looks like Barry Trotz is gone if they don't uh, finish off the series. This is uh, Robbie Comer, Elliot Good, Ty Comer, and myself, Jared McKay, signing off for the pilot episode of 9 to 5 Sports. We'll see you again hopefully next week. Again, we like to do a, a weekly podcast outside of the NFL season. And once the season gets going around, we'll try to have a podcast for you on Fridays and Mondays. So once again, 9 to 5 Sports, and thank you for joining us for our first pilot episode. <laughs>